So we're continuing on. So in verse 37, again, let him acknowledge, recognize that the things I'm writing you, and that's as an apostle, are the commandments of the Lord. He's just finished giving the order for the women when he says this. So you cannot separate it from there. You cannot run to another scripture and twist it to say what you want to say. And so when the women say, well, in the Lord, there's neither male nor female, that's true in relationship. But in authority, there is. And we are told to submit to governmental authorities and pay taxes and do what's necessary. Uh huh. So you do not override a scripture. You harmonize them. This scripture here answers all the arguments customs and so forth. He said, what I'm telling you is, and if you think you're spiritual and you have the prophetic gift or author, then you have to acknowledge that I'm using apostolic authority. And these are the commands of the Lord. They're not my opinion. So like we say, when it came to marriage and various things, he gave an opinion. Don't you ever let someone tell you you have to marry or you can't marry. Unless it's based on scripture that you're a spiritual Christian and you want to marry a, a practicing prostitute, well, they could tell you you're entering into sin and you're being unequal yoked. But in general, marriage and not marrying is left to the individual. They pray before the Lord and get wisdom, and He leaves that to them. You have freedom and liberty in that area, okay? So if if you don't recognize this, what he's saying, that what we're just saying in the commandments of the Lord, you will not be recognized. The churches will not honor you. And if you proceed, the gods will throw you out for disorder and rebellion, okay? So that ends the main discussion. This one scripture puts silence to most of these arguments, okay? Okay, 15. But a woman will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint, control, discipline, okay? Women shall be saved or preserved by the bearing of children, not as some as teach. I think some of the major denominations used to teach. They were saved by bringing forth a child. That is not the context. They're not saved by death during a childbearing, though they can be. Uh A lot of godly women in the past have died having children. And a lot of wicked women bounce them out, don't have no problem. So that's not the whole principle. But a true Christian would pray, and during that time would be praying anyway, and God could save them. He could intervene. That's his right to do this and to answer prayers of the godly people. So we're seeing that that's not the main principles. A woman, it is prophesied, will bring forth the Savior, and she'll be saved by where she fell and was deceived through Eve. It will be recompensed. It will be made up by her bearing the Savior and bringing him into the world as a woman. So that's basically what he's talking about. A woman's chief ministry in this life is to help the man and nourish the children. That's her main ministry. 
They try to get around it and they want to do everything else and have careers. And uh, and that's why the kids are unruly and oppressive. They're not raised properly. You have a better chance if you spend time raising them and teaching them than letting them out on their own. The proverb says, a, a child left to himself brings shame upon his parents. Uh-huh. But it's the parents' fault for leaving him to himself. Okay? They have to take responsibility. Okay? I often think, and that's just my thinking, there should have been an 11th commandment where it says, honor your mother and father and so forth. It should have told the people, and you raise your children properly or you're going to hell. But God shows us that they're to be nurtured and raised as under God's control, and you have responsibility uh, to them. Uh-huh. So a parent does not raise their children right is going to be in a greater danger than those who dishonor their parents. So there's the higher principles that God's going to deal with. So if the woman continues in her faith, her Christian faith, love and sanctity are holy living, showing restraint, okay? So she has to subdue that part of her nature that wants to rule and wants to dominate that's in every human. They want to be independent. They want to be independent of authority. But God hasn't said it that way. So rebellion and anarchy is the opposite of submissiveness. Even men, they said, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. They're not to take their leadership and misuse it or misguide it because they'll be answering to God for more. So everybody has to submit to the Lord and his principles and exercise authority according to his gifts. So when Paul was correcting the Corinthians for not obeying him, he said, I'm going to come to you again. And shall I come with love and compassion or shall I come with the sword and correct you? And he said, and my authority to correct you is not for your spiritual destruction but for your good. But he talks about it will be grievous and not pleasant. Paul turned some people over to the devils to punish them, to get their attention. He said that they would not be damned with the world. It's meant to produce holiness. It's grievous. Hebrews says the chase in the Lord is not pleasant, but it will produce the peaceable fruit of holiness, righteousness. That's if they submit to it. So the ones turned over to punishment, if they keep rebelling, they're not going to be saved. The scripture in the old says, he that is often reproved stiffens his neck. He gets proud and arrogant. He's not submitting. He's not listening. He's not being corrected. It said he shall be cut off, and that without a remedy. It means often patience has been shown and grace, and then one day, like God, he shut the ark's door, and that was it. Nobody could come in then. Grace said it's enough. So he says that happens to people. That's why Hebrew says, do not despise the chasing of the Lord. It's meant to correct you, that you'll stop with the misbehavior you're doing and remain and come back and walk holy. He said, for without holiness, no man's going to see the Lord. 
He's talking about practical holiness. Holiness in that context is you are letting the righteousness work out of you. Many people say, oh, I'm the righteousness of Christ and me while they're living in fornication and they're thieves and they're greedy. They just got mental assent. If it ain't coming through them, it's no good. All of your position in Christ means nothing if it isn't working through you. So chastisement for the Christian was meant to get them to stop their misbehaving and to get back on the right road and walk in holiness before the Lord. That was his main purpose. That's why I said don't despise it. Those who despise it and get rebellious and they don't want to give in and they want to argue, he said eventually they'll be cut off. God will look at them and say, you're not a child, you're a bastard. You will not be reproved and corrected, so you're not mine anymore. He will vomit them out of his system like he did threaten the, the lukewarm Laodiceans, okay? Avoid manipulating. This is to women in general. Men do it too in a different way, but we're talking over the women there. Manipulating and controlling the man by your pettiness, your sexual desires, your pouting. This is all considered of the flesh. It's not godly and God don't appreciate it. Okay. It means the person's never grown up, that something's wrong with them. Okay. Their duty is to serve the Lord and serve the Lord through the husband or through the ministries that she's been given. Okay. Same with the men. They cannot usurp the pastor's and the shepherd's authority, even if they're more spiritual than him. God didn't give them that position. They can advise as an elder. They can talk, uh -huh, but he's held responsible, the shepherd. Now, often, though, in the early church, there was not just one shepherd, one ruling elder. There were several of them, okay? And another hard thing that women have a trouble with, and I've got more arguments with them, they go looking for the scripture. See, it's, it's funny, all the women who were like being pastors, like, they don't like that one scripture, so they avoid it. See, people have a tendency to do that when they're not honest with the Lord. Paul said, he made it very plain, he said, women, be submissive even to your husbands, even those who are not good. And he told the a Christian woman, obey your husband as you would the Lord. Isn't that very plain and simple? And then they start arguing why they don't have to do it. We ain't talking about your husband saying, now go across the street and rob the neighbor or go down there and kill this. He ain't talking about that. He's talking about ruling the home and making decisions and leadership. You would obey him. He said, in all things. Well, you don't find many women doing that. Well, you're not going to find many Christians at Judgment Day. That's all I can say. And that men that allow their women wives to rule them by their uh, sexual attitude and by their pouting and all that, they try to manipulate. The husband's going to be held more accountable to the Lord for being a coward and obeying his wife more than the Lord. He's not going to fare as good as she might, okay? Titus, Titus 2.5. Well, let's read further before it. The older women, they are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine. They're not to get drunk. Teachers of good things. Okay, this is where he says women can teach. Teaching what? That they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. It didn't say teach doctrine. 
didn't say teach scriptural principles. What did it tell them? Teach them how to love their husbands and raise their children. That is their avenue. That is their sphere. Teach them to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, obedient to their own husbands. Well, we don't see that much anymore, do That the word of God will not be blasphemed. So when women rule their husbands and manipulate them, even people in the world, they think it's a shame. They may think of all these women rights and stuff, but it's nothing more disgusting than see a woman dressing down her husband and him sitting there meekly taking it. He's a coward. He's not fulfilled his role as a leader by allowing her to do this, okay? So there is no teaching that women are co-partners and co-pastors with their husbands in the church. They cannot. Because the pastors and elders at times have to correct and expound publicly on Scripture. They have to rebuke and approve, admonish. They have to put some people out of the fellowship. And a woman is not allowed to do that. She cannot rule or have authority over a man. So in authority, she is not equal. As far as her relationship with the Lord as a child of the Lord, there's neither male nor female. When you die as a Christian or you're raptured, you're not male or female when you go into the new kingdom. Those are earthly principles. Uh-huh. And even though they're called sons and daughters, when they enter the new realm, Jesus said they're not given in marriage. She marriage and sex and all that was for this life. He said they will be like angels. Angels are always spoken of in the masculine form. But angels are sexless. They don't have sex. They don't need it. They're in a diff- And he said, we will be equal and be like angels, which are superior beings than humans. And he said, we will be like them. So evidently, a lot of these earthly things, they don't pass on. We're still drinking milk. We haven't got into the meat of things. We are living in black and white. We're not in into the real color realm yet. Paul said, we're, we're looking, we prophesy and look through a mirror that's glazed over and dark. And we have to look real close because we can't always figure things out. But he said on the other side, it'll all be clear, okay? So we'll see better, we'll understand better spiritually, okay? So there are no uh, co-ministers that go, uh, I've had to break relationship with some good Christians over that I would, because I can't submit to the woman as being my pastor or my shepherd, I'm not going to do it, okay? So in Christ, as children of God, we are equal. One of the churches, the Lord said, when you overcome, he'll give everyone, each of you, a special stone with a special name that nobody else knows but you and God. So God's showing intimacy, and forever, throughout the universe, You're not going to tell that to anybody else. It's between you and God. He's showing his personal interest in each person. Okay, So we are called here the sons and daughters of the Lord. Uh But it says we yet know what we shall be. We're going to be higher. We're going to be at least like some of the angels. We may be higher than some angels. We may be lesser than some. That's God's position to judge works and rewards. Remember, the angels did not go through that. They were created. The moment they were created, they had their gifts. 
They had their abilities. They didn't earn anything. Yet the Christian church and the Christian and humanity earns rewards or he earns punishments by his lifestyle if his name's written in the book of life. But in the world and in the church, the man is given the higher authority. Apostles, teachers, and other ministries, man is over the, the woman, okay? And the woman answers to the husband, or she answers to the elders of the church if she's not married, and she doesn't have a spiritual father or brother. And so that was how it was done. They were not left to themselves, okay? It seems like God wanted them to be instructed and watched over for how he made them, okay? To be a helpmate for the man. A lot of women don't think that's right. Well, let me tell you something. This is against our political systems. But Paul said the Christian slave was to obey their master as they obeyed the Lord also, like the woman to her husband. It didn't say for him, slave, to run away or to rebel. Paul sent one slave, Christian slave, back to his Christian master and asked if his master would send him back to serve him. But he recognized his authority, and he would not override it. It's your authority to do this. So he did allow and permit various things. And so when people talk so much about freedom and independence, a lot of times freedom and independence can be a license of sin. A lot of people have liberty, and they're better off being a servant or a slave and being under authority than to be in an anarchy and rebellion because God don't put up with it. Not one apostle told any slave to rebel and run from their master. Isn't that interesting? It's good that we change the systems, but God permitted various things, and what they think is highly regarded is not with God. We're all under authority to some degree. And people that are totally independent and think that they're their own person, they're rebellious anarchists, and they're not going to make it to the kingdom. Because in the body of Christ, he says, submit to one another, submit to the elders, submit to each other and honor others. See, he didn't say you're the king and you do as you please. That's an evil spirit, okay? And another thing now, this caps some things. First Peter chapter 3, 4 and 6. Well, we might as well go to 3. This is offensive. Do not let your beauty, this is women, be the outward adorning of your hair and your body, wearing gold. So he's saying that's vain as far as God is concerned. If you're dressing to incite lust and make people envious, I says you've got to check your Christianity out, okay? He said, but if you're going to adorn yourself, let it be with the hidden person of the heart, your spirit. That's an incorruptible place. He says, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. This is only given to women here. A man cannot often have a quiet spirit when he's debating and ruling and using authority. He can be angry and sin not. He can rebuke. He can discipline. But what does he tell the woman here? He said, in God's eyes, a gentle and quiet spirit is very precious in the sight of the Lord. So if you're not that way, you're not that precious 
to the Lord. And then he quotes the law again. For in this manner, in former times under the old, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves with their spiritual state. Didn't talk about their clothing. Being submissive to their own husbands. Now, now interesting. And as Sarah, she obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you're the daughters of her by faith, if you do good and do not come into terror. Fearful of terror is what he meant under persecution. The Lord gives grace and strength. But he said, he quotes, Sarah has been very godly, and you're supposed to be like Sarah. And even in her relation with the publicly and privately, at times she referred to him as her Lord. She understood his position. She did not manipulate him. She tried to give him advice one time, and the Lord said, listen to her. That was the only time because she was fulfilling God's word and sending Ishmael away, which was a representative of the old system. But she was doing it out of spite and jealousy. And Abraham loved his son, but it wasn't Sarah's son. And so God told her, do what Sarah said, and she did. And the Lord and the angel took care of him. That's the only time. And when she got Abraham to obey her, her spirit was wrong. And she went right with the Lord. But God overlooks these things. If he gets certain principles, God can use the devil to do good things for people and the devil's doing evil in his own nature. The devil can test us and tempt us and the Lord may want us to overcome it and be tried and tested. And so it's immediately when the Spirit came on Jesus after John baptized, is that he was driven or led into the Spirit to be in the wilderness to be tested by the devil. It was God's intention to prove his character. Well, the devil's intention was to cause him to sin and fail. And he used all of his whims to do this, but he didn't exceed, and the Lord proved the test. And when Jesus came down from the mountain after the 40-some days, and the first things he started ministering was, he was casting out devils. See, because when he defeated Satan, the highest of the evil world, everybody else, the evil angels, were under his power. Everybody else was nothing. So that's why they obeyed him, because he defeated their master. Okay? So they are to be submissive to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Abraham's the man, a representative of the law and the faith, and he superseded both. In the kingdom of God, they're going to come from all over. And Abraham was used as the example of God's grace and God's gracious moves toward man. Obedience could not be given. If it cannot be, then it's sin as far as God's concerned. So we talked about how she's to live and be submissive. And she's not to sin willingly. And her husband, she don't have to obey him in the order of uh, gross sins and stuff. She, he can't tell her to do that. God will judge her. And of course, if he's a professing Christian, he's a hypocrite and he won't make it into the kingdom. Okay. But in every other thing, in principles, and running the household, and getting permission, and dealing with the children and the teenagers, is to obey the husband in all things. He's the leadership. He's the authority. Uh-huh. And he can delegate, but he cannot shirk his responsibilities. Okay. 
and the husband is told to love and honor his wife, he will answer for more and greater punishment when God judges him for failing at his duty. That a Christian wife and the Christian husband, the Lord said he is to love the wife as Christ loved the church. And if he's not loving her properly, don't matter what she does, he's going to be in trouble. So it's going to be the sin of the husband, not the sin of the wife. And Paul makes an interesting statement. He talks to married couples. And if they're not in unity and they're not getting along as Christians, their prayers are hindered. Since the prayers are hindered. So he doesn't expect strife and arguments and railing among couples. He expects them to honor the proper order. And she is to submit in all things. And then the responsibility lays on him. It doesn't lay on her. If she thinks he's wrong in this, that's not her business. She's deferred it, and now it's his business, not mine. God will hold him accountable for not doing it right, but he won't judge me for being a disobedient wife. Okay? Chapter 3. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, this would be shepherd, a pastor, a leading elder, a teaching elder. It is a fine work he desires to do. Okay? So Paul deals with those who wants to be elders and overseers. Now, remember, Hebrews says, all of you, talking to the man, he said, you ought to be teachers by now, but you still need milk. You got to go back to the milk. He said, every man that's spiritual, everyone is to grow up and be spiritual. And you ought to be able to teach your wives, your children, your friends. He then comes up to you and asks you questions about Christianity. You ought to be able to discuss it with him and tell him what to do. See, you're mature then. You're discerning good from evil. You're not a babe. And that's what he expects. So if you're in that position, and then you want to teach the body of Christ, and you want to share outside, he said, well, you're seeking a good thing. And a good work, a good ministry. But all ministry of whatever type is for mature Christians. It's not for babes and novices. They have to grow on the milk of the word. Paul says you don't give authority to a novice. He gets puffed up like the devil and thinks he's special, and he'll be condemned by it, judge. Don't matter what he knows. He has to learn how to rightly handle the word of God and authority is not to go to his head, so he needs to grow and discern. Discern what? Between good and evil and how to be led by the Spirit. If he doesn't know how to be led by the Spirit, he has no business in leadership, okay? So now he's changed the subject somewhat. That These are the qualifications for overseers, elders, and pastors. It's not much done today in organized and institutional churches. So if the leaders and pastors and elders are not real Christians, or they're lukewarm, or they're novices, then there's no mature ministry. There's no lampstand in that gathering. If you don't have a spiritual leader, pastor, and elders, you don't have a spiritual church. You may have some Christians in it, and they can work and do what they want, but they're not going to function as a church with a lampstand because the Holy Spirit's not running that church, okay? He can run some of the individuals, but it's not the process of what he, and that's how most of them are today. So if most of the 
city's light on the hill. That was supposed to be what the body of Christ and the church was. It's becoming false and not sound in teaching that we're entering into the darker times. And if we can't find many to function as a true church, and if they're non-existing, then it's up to the Christian to live before the Lord as a candle. You cannot control other people if they don't want to be spiritual. And you do not submit to some of their teaching because they're appointed elders. God may not recognize them. And just because they're the leader, because they're eloquent, and they've gone to seminary, and like some people say, they've gone to cemetery spiritually, they don't know the Word of God. You can't submit to them because the Lord isn't guiding them. They're run by the devil and the world. And that's most of the denominational churches, okay? That's where we're at. So if we live in darker times, it's up to the candlesticks to do their best, individual Christians, to serve the Lord in the means that he calls them, to be a light and a witness. But he may not be able to be in a position to function at a true gathering church other than a few people. So Christ, if his presence is not there, and it isn't, if there's no lampstand, if there's no true local church, then he's not there recognizing it. So well-meaning and good intentions don't get it done. If you do not have spiritually mature Christians, you cannot have a true church, okay? Falseness, novices, worldly people acting in true fellowships will be not used or moved on by Christ or the Holy Spirit, okay? These persons cannot be led or moved upon by the Spirit. He won't use it. And no more getting back because men don't do their job and it's getting dark. God is not going to let women override them, even if they're spiritually very sound and know Scripture better than most men. He's not going to do it. He doesn't go against his own principles. The Holy Spirit is not against the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't contradict himself. So it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, if you're not given authority in certain areas, a man or a woman, then be quiet and not try to usurp. It means take by force or will or manipulation power that's not been given you. Okay? So the laying on of hands or the ordaining today by most churches is simply empty hands on empty heads. The Lord does not recognize it. What is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to the Lord. So the empty hands on empty heads if they're not mature Christians. Man may appoint, but only God anoints and confirms ministry. So you may desire to be a shepherd, but you better meet the conditions and you better get God's approval. See, we don't exclude that in anything we serve the Lord. We obey him in all things. We're told we can seek certain things and he'll tell us, either gift us and approve us or he'll say no. So we got to consider the other scriptures also. So that can only be done by mature Christians. So the millions and millions and millions of people in the world, almost two billion out of eight billion, they say, Lord, Lord. They believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and resurrected again, or most of them do, but they don't serve the Lord. They don't obey him. They're not led of the Spirit. And the Lord, when they say, Lord, Lord, he's going to call them wicked. 
and say you're lawless and you're cursed to my father. And they start talking about all the good they did. But see, it wasn't inspired by the Lord. And if he used them, he can use a wicked jackass if he wants to. He can use his word, he'll honor. But it ain't going to change anything. He said, you did not do the will of my father. You claim to be a Christian and you did not obey Christ. You were not led of him. And so he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You were never born again. You never followed the Lord. That's the masses of Christianity. Okay. A overseer must be above reproach and the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Able to teach. Okay. So he has to be a mature Christian. As Hebrews says, you ought to be teachers by now. He can't be a novice. He has to know the word and be mature, okay? Must be above reproach. He means uh, among the people, even the heathens, they recognize who are Christians. They may not like them, but they say they're do-gooders. They, they may be deceived and we don't like what they say, but we recognize they, they live differently. So they don't want you to want to be an elder and teacher when you're a fall-down drunk, or you're caught robbing people during the day, obviously that's not to be recognized by anybody. Okay, now we get into some debating thing. We might have to go into the next lesson. But be husband of one wife. Uh -huh. A lot of people think that means they're not to be divorced and remarried. That's a modern conception. Uh -huh. And so a lot of people don't understand the proper scripture. Paul gives instructions for marriage and remarriage with the heathen and the Christian. Uh -huh. We forget, though, in the Roman world, with all of its religions, and the Christians were a very small minority, when people came to the Lord, often they had two and three wives, the rich and wealthy. And sometimes they came to the Lord. They were not expected to get rid of their wives. They treated them. But he's going to let them know, you don't have much time to be teaching in the church. You've got a lot of responsibility. One wife is enough. What do you think if you've got two or three of them and all the conflict? Uh, Abraham understood this. The patriarchs, when they had uh, wives and concubines, it created a lot of trouble. And so he's saying that that kind of person should not, he's got enough on his hands. It's going to take your responsibility to teach and to pastor and oversee other Christians. And if you've got two and three wives and ten kids, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> You'd be lucky to get a lot of spare time for yourself to pray. So Paul gives instructions to self. Like I said, they had various troubles, and the Spirit made exceptions. So under the Old Testament, many of the patriarchs, they had more than one wife and concubine. A man in such a position could not focus on the local overseer job of teaching and dealing with other Christians and advising them. Uh, he's got enough to keep him occupied. He's got enough to pray and keep in order himself. So he's just trying to shirk his responsibility. A lot of people want to be pastors and deacons, uh, and then they fail at being a husband and a father. It's not going to fare well with them. If they fail, it's one thing to do their best, and then if children rebel and they're later, that's their responsibility, not yours. 
human being or but if you can't simply control simple things, he's saying you shouldn't be pastoring. You shouldn't be shepherding. A lot of people want that to get out of their own situation or out of pride. They want to they want to be heard. They want to be special because they're stupid and they're of the world and they're not going to get away with it. They go come under a severe judgment. And that's what James said. We shall receive the greater judgment, the stricter judgment. Okay, we're going to stop here. And so we will continue in verse 2 in the next teaching. Okay. Lord, give us wisdom, understanding. Help us to acknowledge and accept even what our opinion doesn't like or our own personal views. Let us stand with the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen.